Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. Well, this morning I wanted to talk to you guys about a love story. The, uh, just like many stories in the Bible, the Bible itself being a love story compiled of a bunch of different love stories that's uh, from a father to his children. And today I want to speak to you about Abraham and Isaac. That's one of those stories that I love dearly. And uh, it's also one of those stories that I remember when I first read and when I was first uh, introduced to the kingdom and started coming to church, I didn't get too much. And uh, stories like that, stories like the flood, different stories where um, you, it's hard to wrap your head around it at first, but once you read it, amen, once you read it and you grow in the word, uh, you realize how powerful it is, what a powerful love story it is. And uh, it's a type of love that just makes you want to makes you want to jump and shout a little bit to know how much God loves you, what he did for you, and you just can't help but just want to scream hallelujah, do a little dancing, right? The, um, I was listening to music at work the other day, and usually when I'm listening to music, I don't sing along to it. This particular day, I wasn't singing along to it. I wasn't dancing. For two reasons, it's not me. And uh, reason number two, it's because I didn't want to let a warehouse full of men know that I've been listening to the Moana soundtrack for <laughs> the entirety of the day. I mean, there's like 10 songs, but like 50 Hawaiian instrumentals. I started at like 8.30. It was noon. I was emotionally invested in this soundtrack. <laughs> and um, a lot. And so I didn't, you know, I'm kind of quiet to myself. And then this song came on that I really like. It's called Undignified by, um, what is it, uh, Rend, Rend Collective? I was asking you. <laughs> Rend. Rend. Rend Collective. It left quite an impression on me, as you can tell. The... Um, it came on, and I kept listening to it, and, you know, I kind of put on replay, and, you know, after the second and third time, you know, I kind of start tapping my foot a little bit, you know, more and more, I start kind of shrugging my shoulders, you know, about a fifth or sixth time, I'm singing, I'm kind of jumping a little bit, and when, when you really reflect on who God is and who we are to him, who he is to us and what he did for us, you can't help but want to jump and scream and sing a little bit. My hopes is that uh, today, if you know this story, that it just rewaters a belief system already in you. And if you know it a little bit that you leave today knowing that, oh, this is a story of love and how much God loves me. And just like everything else in the Bible, you read it, you just got to jump and shout a little bit because it's all a love story. Amen. So I pray that we can pull back some layers and learn a little bit. And two, I hope that we can find things to apply to our life because what is the word if we can't apply it? It's, uh, it's useless to us, but the Bible is different than any other book. It's something that we apply to our lives and it makes us more like Jesus Christ every single day through the word, through God's power. Amen. So we want to pull back layers and we want to get the application out of it. That's always my thing. Layers, apply. Pull back layers, apply, right? That's the system. So I'm going to uh, paraphrase the story real quick and we're going to read it throughout the service. The, um, I gave them scriptures, but I, I take lefts and rights and it's, it's, almost, it's always me. It's, it's not them. So if you see something that's not up there, that's because, yeah, I just took a left or right. Bless Gus so much. I know they always mention him. Oh, Gus is great. I know you're like, why do they mention Gus all the time? It's because he has to chase down people like me every single day. Be like, hey, you got your scriptures? And I'm like, yeah. Ooh, and it's like I'm trying to get away from a, a, a debt collector, debt shark, or whatever it is. And um, <laughs> I'm like, three more days, three more days. She's like, give me my scriptures. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's how it's been. And uh, <laughs> bless him. He's so patient the whole thing. 
So the story we're going to get into about Abraham and Isaac, and just a short version, this story in particular, Abraham and Isaac were in covenant, and God asked something of Abraham that I think if any of us were to hear it, we'd say, no way, no go, I don't think so. He said, I need you to sacrifice your only son, a son which I promised to you. He packed up the next day and went to a place God told him to, and went up the mountain, God told him, he said, I'll tell you when you get there. And when he was about to do the sacrifice, the angel of the Lord stopped him and provided another sacrifice. And then the angel began to tell him what was going to happen because of his obedience, all the blessings coming his way. And so we want, before we even dive into what we can actually learn from the story, we have to open up with uh, one big factor of this. This whole story um, is the whole Bible, but this story in particular, it's circled around a covenant. God and Abraham were in covenants. Genesis 17, 2 through 9. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. The kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. So that was God's portion of the covenant, right? Let's look at Abraham's portion of the covenant. Then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenants, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. So God said, this is everything I'm going to do. Here's what you need to do. Don't screw it up, right? It's just like one sentence. <laughs> just keep it. Just listen, right? Just listen. This is, this is your, your portion. So first and foremost, before we get anything else, we need to discuss the covenant because this had to happen with Abraham and Isaac once and only once and only between Abraham and God because they were in covenants. Um, a covenant in the Bible is a binding agreement between two parties under no circumstance can it be broken, right? So when we're in a covenant, if you, uh, every culture, if you look in history, had some sort of covenants, uh, blood covenants, but we're just going to say covenant for now. They, uh, they had a covenant, and when they went in covenant, they went through an actual ritual. There was a whole thing about it. It's, it's very uh, interesting. They, what, it, what it is is now I fight your battles, you fight my battles, Right? My food is yours, your food is mine. If you need money and I have it, it's yours. Vice versa, I will fight for you, you will fight for me. So we can already see the, the scale kind of tip because what, what battle could Abraham possibly fight for God? Right? And what situation would God ever possibly show up at Abraham's doorstep, tired and hungry and in need? There wouldn't be any. So nothing is uh, really heavy for God, but if there was someone doing the heavy lifting, it would be God. And we could st- sort of see God's love shine through this saying, hey, I want to make a covenant with you, but I got this. You just keep it, right? You just keep it. I got the hard work. You just, you keep this part. So, like I said, when you enter into blood covenant, you give them your love, your life, if their possessions, your possessions, vice versa. And the children are also involved in that. So if I am in covenant with somebody, my children can enjoy the benefits of that and even the unborn children on my side. If they grow up and choose to be a part of that covenant, just like we see now with our new covenants, uh, Jesus is the mediator of new covenants, and everyone can choose to be a part of that, or they can not be a part of it, right? I highly suggest you pick the first one if you haven't. 
you cannot be a, you could choose or choose not to, but it's a covenant. So all the children, all the unborn children can choose to be a part of that if they so choose. And we see a lot of, um, a lot of pieces of the uh, covenant ritual, even today in marriage, when people feed each other cake and give each other something to drink. That was something they would do. They would feed each other something, give each other something to drink. It symbolized I'm now part of you, you're now part of me, right? There's, uh, in the actual ritual, whatever there had to be for the blood covenant, there was bloodshed, you know, a cut on the hand and, you know, you shake hands, there was a blood covenant. And we see that in marriage, um, the way God intended for the first night of marriage where it's actually intended for blood to be shed, so on and so forth. So we, we see it sprinkled into the society a little bit, just sometimes God not in it when it was actually God's master plan all along when it comes to covenant and covenant relationships. But we're talking about God and Abraham's covenant today. So the first thing to know, God does not always explain himself, nor should he. This is verses two and three, but I'll be reading verse one. So you're only gonna see two verses up there. Starting at um, Genesis 22, and then um, hopefully we get to Revelation, but we're gonna start there. Now, it came to pass, there it is, there's one person. It came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, yeah? And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on, the, on one of the mountains which I sh- shall tell you. So Abraham rose early. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. He split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Now, this was a three-day journey. This was a three-day journey, about seven verses later. And God has not said anything else to Isaac or uh, Abraham. So he said, I need you to do this thing for me. I need you to sacrifice your only son, whom I promised you. And uh, it's an even step further than we can really understand because in that culture um, where Abraham was, if you were to die without a son, it was disgraceful, dishonorable. It's just you didn't want that. That was by all means you needed a son before you died. All right, so this was a big deal, but it was a bigger deal, uh, bigger deal culturally. So we already established God would never ask us to do this, right? This is something between God and Abraham, and it was something that it was just between them for covenant. However, if we are to truly obey God, if we are to truly follow God, and 100% obedience, he's going to ask us to do things sometimes that we may not fully understand, if understand at all. The human mind cannot possibly understand the things of God, all of them, just like a fish could not understand the things of a person, right? It's just, it it doesn't, it's not wired that way. It's not meant that way. And it's it's literally impossible. There's a few verses I want to share here, but I got to lay a platform to make a little point. Does that make sense? So I got to read a bunch of stuff and we got to get into it just to make a small point to kind of widen the view on this. Job 36, 26. How great is God beyond our understanding? The number of his years is past finding out. So you know when you're like infinity, so it's like infinity times two. This isn't even on an infinity scale. This is past time and space and everything. It's not, not even the same measurement. Job 36, 22, 23. God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Who has preached his ways for him? Or said to him, you have done wrong. Romans eleven thirty three through 34. Oh, the death of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and has passed beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been a counselor? I picture the writers of this almost smirking as they're writing it because it's like, point them out. 
Who is it? Who has taught God? Who knows more than God? Who's bigger than God? Right? It, almost a sarcasm. But point them out. Tell me. Because they're, they're not here. They don't exist. Nobody knows more. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't think like you. Yeah. Woo. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't, I don't think like you. Neither are your ways my ways. I don't act like you, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So there's two categories here. There's my and your. My is just God and God alone. My. My, my way's better, right? Your is occupied by everybody who's ever lived and going to live and every creature and everything <laughs> under the sun, right? So two categories. One's just God, one's everybody else. And God uses two ways to explain this. He says, your ways and your thoughts are not like mine. They're different. Now, I think differently than a lot of people. A lot of us think differently. It's fine. And every now and again, oh, I was thinking that. Or you thinking what I'm thinking? Or whatever. We do, I don't know. Whatever you do. The, uh, so we think differently. We see things differently. You know? So you can kind of wrap your head around that. Okay, God thinks differently. Then he says, my thoughts and my ways are higher. So they're different and then they're higher. And not just higher, God says, my ways and my thoughts are as high as the heavens are from the earth. Now, when the Bible, uh, this is plural, it says heavens, because when the Bible talks about heavens, there's one heaven, right? But back then, they would, the heavens is the sky, the heavens is this, but everyone knew the one heaven where, where God sat. But you'll see it mentioned in a way where it sounds like there's three that's because Paul said I was, uh, he mentions the third heaven, which is where God's throne is. So if going backwards from that, the first heaven being the sky, our atmosphere, the second heaven being space, Pluto, all the stars we can and cannot see, and the third heaven being God's throne. So God says, my thoughts and my ways are as high from you as the atmosphere. We can measure that, and we know he's a lot smarter. We can agree. My thoughts and my ways are as high from you as every star in the galaxy, in the cosmos, in the universe, insert word I don't know here. All those things, right? <laughs> Everything in the space. My thoughts are as high. But then he says, my thoughts and my ways are as high from you as my throne is from the earth. See, now we got a problem because we can't measure that because that's another freaking realm and dimension of spirit. So that's not even high anymore. That's something else we can't even get into. So that paints a picture that's, not only is God and his ways different, they are so high that even the things I think I understand, I'm not going to understand. We could pretend to sometimes that some things we get, God wants us to help people. God wants us to be born again, honor our mother and father. We get that, but it's even to a degree where, not fully. Sometimes my son wants cookies uh, before bed, as we all do. And often me and my wife will say, uh, We'll say no. And, um, and then his ways and his thoughts, um, he says, mother, father. He calls us mother and father. Mother, father. <laughs> I want cookies. That my ways, I'm, I'm hungry. I like cookies. I know they taste good. And it's going to satisfy me in a way that I think is 100% satisfactory to what I need in this situation. And we go, son. We call him son. Son. It's not going to work because our ways are different 
and they're higher. So they're different in the fact of, son, one, we want you to have a good dinner that's not going to give you a little sugar rush in the middle of the night. We want you to finish your dinner and not just have eight cookies and a bite of this, right? It's not going to satisfy you the way you think it is. So our thoughts are different, and they're higher. You're not going to freaking believe this. They're higher because we know his future because we just heated up his chicken nuggets five minutes ago. So we know he gets chicken nuggets. He doesn't even know that. Our thoughts are higher because we knew he was hungry. We knew he was going to be hungry before he knew he was hungry. Every day we go through it. You're not going to believe it. Every day he's going to get hungry, heat up chicken nuggets. It's insane. We're so good at parenting. <laughs> So our ways are, are different and they're higher. And that's a very small example compared to God. We want God to see things our way, act in a way that we think is proper to our situation. We want God, can I dare say, we want God to act according to how we think God should act. We want God to act according to how we think he should act. And just like my son says, I, this is going to satisfy me. We know, what, well, we know what's going to work. Our thoughts are different and then they're higher. So we say, God, I need, you know, I need help in, I don't know, my relationship and my marriage. And, you know, I just, I, I, I need them to listen. And there's so many things I need you. And God says, no, 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 child. My ways are different. It's not that that's going to satisfy you. It's, it's your character. It's your communication. There's things here that are going to satisfy you better. And my thoughts are higher because through the word, you know, we can mold you and we can fix that in a degree that's more satisfactory than what you think it will be. God, this has been, who hasn't prayed this? I need more money, right? Yeah, amen. (laughs) I need more money. And so we're talking about mountaintop journeys, right? So that can be a day or two, that could be 10 years, but God, I need Oh, God, I need more finances. I've, I've been on this journey for, let's say, 10 years, and I just can't. I can't get ahead. Paycheck to paycheck. I can't get ahead. I need more money coming in. I need you to open the windows of heaven, God. Like you said, open the windows and rain down money on me. Probably wasn't the best example, but we're all adults. I need more money, God. God says, no, 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 child. My ways are not your ways. More money would curse you. My ways are not your ways. My ways are not your ways. It's not the lack of money. It's that your faith is in the money and not in me. And I cannot bless what you will not trust me with. God says, your ways are not my ways. More money would not help. My ways are higher. Through my higher ways that you may or may not understand, we can fix problems in your life with biblical solutions, heavenly solutions. The Bible says, as high as heaven is from earth, that's his understanding, that's his thoughts, that's his actions. If we're going by heavenly measurements, the highest, the throne, if the measurement is by heaven, the solution has to be by heavenly principles. And we don't understand them all. And we don't need to. 
What are we, if someone, Pastor Rick, if, someone's, if I, someone needs money and they're lacking, what's the heaven, what do they do? Give. They give. What? I'm trying to keep what I got. I can't give you anything. But the Bible says, give. It's better to give. Give and be blessed. I don't know how it makes sense, but it works. And my caring stops that it works. If it works, I don't need to figure it out. We don't understand everything, and that's okay. And God doesn't have to explain everything because it would probably make it worse to begin with. Heavenly measurements need heavenly principles and heavenly solutions that may not always be understood. This may free some people up, or it may confuse some people, or it may upset some people, but that's okay. We do not serve a rational God. We serve a very irrational God according to human standards. Thank God for that. God is irrational in a way that we can't fathom with our human intellect and rationality. Who looks at a world full of people, murderers, killers, right? Some love them, some don't. Some like them, some don't. Some believe in them, some don't. Who looks at a whole world full of these people and loves every single one of them and chases after every single one of them? Think about some of the fights you have with friends and how long y'all haven't talked, right? Your works, I'm not talking to her. Thank God, thank God, God doesn't rationalize problems like we do, Right? There was a woman, and she, uh, there's a story about a woman, and she, she was going through a rough patch. We'll call it the mountaintop journey. She was going through a rough patch, a journey, where she just lost one of her children. And she was going through a journey through, through mourning and acceptance and all these things. And she was in her driveway, and uh, she was just taking a break from the chaos. She was in the driveway, in the car. I think we've all been there. You get home, you're in the car, and you just stay in the car. You're like, I'm not ready for this next part of the day. I need to let me process the rest of this day and then I get to the next part of the day. And she just starts cursing at God and swearing at God. And this lady knew how to curse. Swearing at God, cursing at God. Just every word she could dig up. And then God spoke to her and said, that's the first thing you ever said to me and I still love you. Irrational. Nobody looks at a world full of people and none of them deserving of a savior, and says, I'm going to send my only son to die on a cross. A cross! One of the worst ways to die. And the Romans were not low on ideas on how to kill and hurt people by any means. And the cross was high up there, and God says, I'm going to choose this way, and my son's going to die for everyone. None of them deserve it. Thank God he's not irrational. So God is not rational, and thank goodness for that. Amen? Next point. Not everyone will understand your mountaintop journey. So again, we're talking about journeys, things we go through. Uh, we're in comparing it to Abraham. You know, he's going on his journey, and no one would understand it. And we see in the scripture in 4, then on the uh, verse 4, and it's all going to be uh, chapter 22, by the way. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here and with the donkey, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So these men travel with him for three days. And uh, when he got to the mountain, he said, wait here. Their journey stopped, right? Now, what if they would have went? Obviously, there would have been some objections. 
not understanding, right? Doing what they thought was right because it's not rational. It wasn't rational, so they would have thought what they were right. They certainly wouldn't have agreed. And if they would, it would have made the story a whole lot weirder. So they didn't understand. They wouldn't understand. They wouldn't have agreed. Matthew 16, 20 through 23. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. For that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. That would have been me. He said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So Jesus was thinking different, and then he was thinking higher. Because he knew about the plan of salvation, which nobody knew about the plan of salvation. Angels didn't even know about the plan of salvation. It was the biggest, most intricate plan ever, ever, and ever will be. Amen. When me and my wife, and I said this first, but I know a lot of my stories are from Raymond, but that was a very big faith test for us, so a lot of our stories always will be from when we moved. But when we went to Raymond, a lot of people uh, didn't understand. A few people didn't agree, and there were certain parts of it where it was our journey, and we, we heard from God. We had um, two or three people who, what's the word? Huh? Confirmed. Yeah, so we had confirmation from God, and we had it, it was all mapped out in a way where we knew this was a journey we had to take. And um, a lot of aspects people didn't agree with. We didn't have jobs when we moved up. We packed up the uh, Penske truck, we put a down payment on our, uh, our uh, paid for an apartment, and we just moved. We didn't have jobs, and she got a, a call for an interview on the way up there, I think, but that was it. And uh, not a lot of people, especially family, not a lot of people were happy about that, but it wasn't their journey. Right? Not everyone needs to know. Yeah. Not everyone's going to agree. Yeah. There, are, there are people now, and there are people, and I didn't, you don't realize this until you're, until you're married, that they're trying to have a child, they're trying to have a baby, and they've been told that they can't. It happens a lot. My mother was told she couldn't have kids. There's a lot of people told they couldn't have kids. And a lot of people. And not everyone's going to understand why you're still standing on scripture on something that the world said is impossible. Not everyone's going to get that. And the reason I say not everyone always needs to know is because you don't need a bunch of people who aren't on the word, standing on the word, giving you advice about things that would call for you to stand on the word. So, you know, people, when's the baby coming? When's the baby coming? When's the baby coming? Right? That's the word every married couple gets. And we went through it too. And Lord knows we didn't like it because we were trying the whole time. And um, that's, that's something hard. But when you're standing on the word, it's not going to make sense to people. When you're trying to raise rebellious teenagers and you're hearing from God on how to do certain things, and as to you specifically, people might not understand. It's not their journey. It doesn't matter. If you're trying to start a, a business and you heard from God and you're, you're being obedient and people are saying, yeah, I wouldn't in this economy, what's going on, everything. It, it doesn't matter. It's not their journey. It's not their journey. Mark 5 37, and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. I hate pulling out little pieces of a scripture, but we don't, I'm trying to make a little point here. So 
he brought these people with him when he was going to heal or, or resurrect a girl who was dead. That was a crude way of putting it, but that's what it was happening. Mark 9.2, And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transformed before them. So Jesus, would, he had his inner circle. He had three. And he didn't always feel a need to include or inform everybody everything that was happening, right? Because not everything has to be advertised. The, um, this is an odd example, but this is just what I think of. You know, there's, there's nothing more upsetting when someone tries to get advice from, like, social media. And they try to, oh, just something with my relationship or something with this. And I look, and um, it's like 3,000 comments. I'm like, oh, no, your life's destroyed. Don't listen to any of these people. And it's just thousands of comments of people who feel like they're in the same journey, but they had different destinations, so they're going to mess up their whole life. They think, yeah, it, you know what? It might look similar. It might look similar, but it's not their journey. And my little idea when it comes to the journey and who you should talk to, and this, again, we're talking about mountaintop journeys, your rough patch, something you're going through, right? Something that not everyone needs to go through because you don't know who's going to speak life into you, who's going to speak death into you. Because the same couple trying to have a baby, one person can say, let's pick a scripture to stay on together. The next one's going to say, listen, the doctor said what he said. Don't worry about it, right? So not everyone needs to be involved or informed. God, pastors, or whoever's your spiritual heading there, and two or three people. That, that's always, that's just me personally. Just a little, little recipe of people to have in your life. I say two or three because Peter got rebuked, but he also took Peter with him, right? So you're still going to have people just always naturally will bump heads somewhere, somehow, right? Yeah, so it's just Peter, he took Peter with him whenever he was doing things in the inner circle. And Peter was also like, no, I don't want you to be crucified. Jesus is like, shut up, get behind me. And it was just like, Peter's like, what, what's going on, man? In a circle or not? <laughs> Where am I? Yeah, what's, what do I do? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's going on, man? <laughs> your decisions on the way up the mountain will dictate how your trip down will go. So we're talking, oh, this, this is getting good, I know. All right, I have to paraphrase a little chunk, and like I said, I, I gave some scriptures, some I didn't. That's, uh, that's mostly my fault. So I'm paraphrasing, it's all my fault. I'm paraphrasing a little bit of scripture, and then we'll jump into a few verses. So in this journey... Abraham, uh, he took, when they got to the mountain, God told him, he took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac's back, and they started going up the mountain. Isaac obviously says, uh, Father, we have everything we need, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, don't worry, the Lord will provide a lamb. Because all through this, Abraham still believes, he's still standing on some word, some promise. God said I was going to be a father. I'm fitting to sacrifice my son. What the heck, man? Something, he has to stand on the only thing that makes sense, and that was the promise. So in his head, God's going to provide a lamb. They get up there. They're getting everything situated. And when he's about to go through with the angel of the Lord stops him, says, don't lay a hand on him. Uh, a ram is provided. A ram comes. And they use that for the sacrifice. And an angel begins to tell him everything that's going to happen because of his obedience. And that's starting in verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld your, your son, your only son, I swear by my own name, because there's no one higher. So I swear by my own name. 
I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you have obeyed me. So Abraham, I don't believe Abraham was deciding anything throughout the most of his journey. I believe he decided. I believe he was in obedience. I believe that's one of the reasons God chose him for this. He, he, maybe the day he heard it, maybe a little bit after the journey, but when they reached that mountain, he, he wasn't battling the thoughts. I'm certain he was going up there. He was going to be obedient to what God said. The most important thing to keep in mind or to hold on to is the tougher the mountaintop journey to climb the rough patch, the tougher it is, the tighter you have to cling on to whatever word, whatever promise, whatever you have, the tighter you have to hold on to this. Because if we can push through these times, these journeys, if we can push through this mountaintop journey in the will of God, obedience, and we push through, if you're going through hell, keep going. If we can push through, you'll find yourself in the will of God because of your obedience on the other side. Because you're going to get through the mountain no matter what. No matter what, you're going to reach the other side of the mountain. But if you don't, if you get up there when it gets hard and you, you decide you know what's best and I'm, this doesn't make sense, this isn't the facts, you'll get to the other side of the mountain, but you won't be where you're supposed to be on the other side, what God had planned for us. And Abraham had free will just like anyone else. He could have turned, he could have left, he said, forget this. None of the facts made sense. Can we agree on that? Yeah. Who, why is this even, why would you ask someone to sacrifice or something? It doesn't make sense. Nothing factual about it made any sense. And Abraham knew that I can't fact check what God said. I have to God check what the facts are. Yes. Yes. Right? So I can't fact check my surroundings and, and where I'm at and what's happening. I have to God check everything that's happening. So it's not how can I justify this word? It's okay, I need to use this word to check everything that's in line. If it doesn't make sense, that's fine. It's not going to. We established that. It's irrational. The more rational, the better it seems sometimes, right? Because it's like, okay, this has got to be God. The, uh, Ricky, you come up. The, uh, one of my favorite parts about this story is you can see, and you'll hear terms like types and shadows, in the Old Testament and people who were kind of like types of, of Christ that did certain things, people like uh, uh, Joshua and Noah, and uh, we see Isaac here, and shadows, which is, we see it now, but when they read it back then, they didn't know what was happening, but you can see a shadow of something coming. Like, okay, this story is casting a shadow of something that's going to happen later. We're on the same page? Verse 7, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, he said, here I am, son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Because he still believed that something had to give, right? So he wasn't lying. He just had full, okay, I, this doesn't make sense that I'm going to sacrifice my son and the lamb's going to be provided. But that's what's happening, so I got to go with it. Because there's obedience Irrational obedience. We can say that. Skip to verse 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes 
and looked, and there was behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. So they're going up the mountain. He said, son, a lamb will be provided. They get up there. He goes through, he, he begins to go through, it reaches for the knife, and the angel says, stop, don't lay a hand on him. And a ram is provided. Now, there's a lot of differences between a lamb and a ram besides the obvious name and structure of the creature, right? But we can see how Abraham was unknowingly speaking about something that he had no idea was coming. So he said, God will provide a lamb. And God said, oh, I'm going to provide a lamb. But it's not the way you think I will. It's irrational. It's different. It's higher. He said, I'll provide a lamb. I'm going to provide a perfect lamb, spotless lamb, a righteous lamb. God said, I'm going to provide a ram for you, but not the way you think. So he got his ram, right? But God said, I'm going to provide a lamb. But we're in covenant, me and Abraham. We're in covenant. That means I fight your battles and you fight my battles. That means what you do for me, I'll do for you. That means what I'm going to do for you, I need to see you do for me. So God said, I'm going to provide a lamb. We're in covenant. But first, I need to see you sacrifice your only son. Because we're in covenant. I need to see your son carry the wood on his back to the place of his death. Like I'm going to see my son carry the wood on his back to the place of his death. I need to see these things because we're in covenant. And when he reached for the knife and the angel said, stop! And Abraham was probably, I'd be crying, I'd be shaking. I would, yes, yes! Don't lay a hand on the boy. And God knew, God said, I, now I know. Now I know. Now I know that you are fully, irrationally obedient to me. And you stood on the promises and the word and not your situation, not your surroundings. You stood on my promise. Now I know that. Now I know we're in covenants. But I love you so much, and I love the world so much, and I love my creation so much, I want to have you kill your only son. That's a pagan thing. We're not going to do that. But I'm still going to sacrifice my only son for the world. So when people look at this story and say, how can God ask someone to sacrifice the only son. Well, he didn't, dummy. But God did. So shut up. Or whatever. However you are, you with people. I don't know. Whatever you say. To win people to Christ. So I love this story because there's so much. And trying to get this preached. It's a lot easier now than the first service. I was sweating and tapping my foot to try to get everything. But there's so much. It's like trying to hold water in your hands. It's just coming out the side. There's so much to squeeze in here. Not just for what it means or what the beginning of the covenant means or what it means for our covenant, but all the types and shadows and we see coming into the New Testament. And how much God loved the world. He had to establish this covenant and how long the plan of salvation was just to get Jesus here, just for us, just because he loves us so irrationally. We couldn't understand if we tried to because it's beyond measurement. Father, we thank you so much. We are so grateful that you are so irrational. Gosh, we thank you. You don't look at things like us. You don't think of things like us. Your thoughts, your ways are so high. 
we couldn't measure it, Father. Everything, Father, you do, it's for our benefit. We may make it harder from time to time, Father. We may not understand, but you love us so much, Father. Everything is for our benefit, for our growth, for our faith, for our obedience. We thank you for the plans you have in our life. And I pray for anybody right now who's going through some sort of mountaintop journey, some sort of rough patch, some sort of mountain climb, Father, that they know that their obedience, their ability to stand the word, they're going to get to the other side, Father, and they're going to be better on the other side than when they started climbing, Father. I know it, Father. I know it. And I thank you for that. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.